This evening's message is entitled, What? For those of you who were here last year, or at one of the Restoration International Family Camp meetings last year, you might have heard the one that was called, Why? I'm, I'm putting together a little album together, we've had Why, and this is What? And if you want to come to Washington Family Camp meeting up there in the Northwest, you can hear Who? And if you want to come to Indiana, you can hear When? And then the series will be done. But I want to ask you a question. Well, actually, before I do that, I want the children. Children, if you've got a piece of paper, if mom or dad can furnish you with a piece of paper, I've got a little task for you to do. I've done this before, but every time I say what, and you don't have to be a child, you can be a youth as well if you want. But every time I say what, I want you to put a little mark on your page. And then when I say it again, you put another mark. And then at the end of the day, you can count up all your marks. Best if you do them in groups of five. Okay, and then I want an adult as well. Would somebody, as an adult, would you volunteer to do it and be really meticulous? Because last time I gave this message, one, not the last time, the time before, one child said it was 56, the other one said it was 106. That's quite a big difference. And I had no adult to draw on. So if an adult, thank you, I got an adult, he's going to be the final say on it. So children, be very attentive, very attentive. Every time I say what, I think that's the third time I've said it already, so you should have three marks on your page. I want to ask a question, what, there you go children, what is the most fundamental, the most basic aspect of your Christian walk? Think with me, I want you to engage, I want you to be actively thinking. What is the most fundamental thing, I don't know of a better word, the most fundamental thing in your Christian experience? Is it having your personal devotion times in the morning? That's pretty important, isn't it? For those of you who were here last year, our family shared a message about feeding the soul, all about morning devotions and family worship. But that is not, that is important, but that is not the most important thing in your Christian walk. You might say, okay, I'm going to think this through. You can't have clear mind until you've got a good diet. So I know where he's going in this. It's a good diet because God communicates to us through the mind. And without a good diet, you won't have a clear mind. So you might say that's the most important thing, but it isn't. Because the health message is only the arm, not the body of the gospel. So it's not health, although health is extremely important. Those of you who know a little bit about Restoration International might think, I know where he's going. He's going to tell us that the most important thing in the Christian experience is being a Christian at home. Is that important? Oh, it is important. So many young people are leaving the church today, not because they don't understand church, because they do understand it, but they don't see many people living it. And so they give up on it and they go off and try something else. But being a Christian at home is not the most important thing in your Christian walk. What is it? Perhaps you would say, think, I want you to engage with me. Think, what is the most important thing in your Christian walk? You might say it's relationships. It's all about relationships. Our relationship with God. Our relationship with our spouse or our children. It's not that either. What would God, now switch a minute. 
Not what do you think is the most important thing, but what do you think God thinks is the most important thing? Is it honesty? You know, if we would be honest with God, we would go a lot further in our walk with him. Maybe it's honesty. Maybe God would say it's humility. A lack of self. You're probably thinking I'm leaving obedience to the end. But it's not obedience. Where is this guy going? Obedience is not the most important thing. No, it's not. There is something more fundamental than obedience. You know, when Jesus was on this earth, and he had opportunity with open hearts, he would go right to the center of the issue, right to the heart of the issue, wouldn't he? You remember when Nicodemus came to him? He knew Nicodemus' heart was somewhat open. Nicodemus come for a good chat. (laughs) Going to ask him a few questions. And Jesus cut through all the questions, almost to, to the casual observer, it might even be rude. And he cut through all of that and he said, Nicodemus, except you're born again, you're not going into the kingdom of heaven. Right to the heart of the matter. And then again, Jesus with the rich young ruler. You know the story. What do I need to do? He told him straight. He didn't like it. He went away sorrowful. That that was too much. Well, this is the opening meeting, a family camp meeting. But we're not going to be gentle with you at first and then make the next message a little bit more cutting. We're going to go right to the heart of it right tonight. Amen? You know, the most important thing in your Christian walk and in my Christian walk is our thoughts. What are we thinking about? What is going on inside that head of ours? You know, I want to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer out loud. I just want you to answer in in the privacy of your own thinking place, as we call it with our children. What do you spend a lot of time thinking about? Just answer that honestly. What occupies your mind, your thoughts? When you can't sleep at night, what do you lay awake thinking about? What, what goes on inside your head when you're cutting the grass? You know, that's when the thoughts, there's nothing real pressing and cutting the grass is not, not a big job. Or for me, it would be blowing the snow. But what goes on inside your mind? It's very important that we give this some consideration because of what the scriptures say. If you're taking notes, Proverbs 23 and verse 7. You all know it. You won't need to turn there. You can if you want. Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We are not... What we think we are. We are what we think. We are not what we think we are. What do you think you are? I'm not going to ask you to answer the question out loud, but we all have a picture of ourselves. But you are not what you think you are. You are, in reality, in heaven's sight, in the books of heaven, you are what you think. I know in heaven they record everything that we do and say, but you know they record everything we think. That's amazing, isn't it?
I just want to take a, a little sidestep here for a minute. I want to talk about the word heart in Scripture. We use that word a lot. We might say something like, oh, you're breaking my heart. And when we refer to the word heart, oftentimes we're connecting it with emotions. When we say to somebody, you know, oh, my heart is just breaking for some brother or sister in the church who's having a hard time. We are talking about, it's, it's touching me at an emotional level. So in today's society, heart and emotions oftentimes go together, or, or the center of the issue. But, do you know, Scripture isn't using heart and, and linking it to emotions. The, the Bible uses bowels to link with emotions. You remember um, Joseph, when he saw his brother Benjamin. It tells us there in Genesis that his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. The Bible uses bowels when it's talking about emotions. When it uses the word heart, most times it's talking... Sorry, when it uses the word heart, it's talking about the mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, it says. But what it's trying to say is, as a man thinketh in his mind, so is he. There's lots of scriptures that illustrate that. Jesus says, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? No, wherefore Jesus, sorry, Jesus said, wherefore think ye evils in your minds? What is going on inside our heads? Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your mind. Jesus also said, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in mind, for they shall see God. I hope you are recognizing that more important than what you look like on the outside is what is going on on the inside. Uncontrolled thoughts are easy to have, and nobody need know it. There might be some in the congregation tonight that have uncontrolled thoughts. You're not here. You're here. Your body's here, but your mind's thinking about something else. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says there, again, we all know the text, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? The mind is deceitful. I don't know what your mind is like, but my mind can wander off. Does your mind ever wander off? I can remember when we first moved to the country, I would kneel down and I'd say, Lord, finally I'm in the country, I can have some good prayer life. And my mind was off thinking something else, going on to yesterday's problems or last week's problems. And I think, I almost wanted to put a chain on my thoughts so that they wouldn't keep just running away. Wrong thoughts are easy to have because nobody sees wrong thoughts. I, w- I wish, you know, in, in cartoons they, they have a little bubble, don't they, coming out where you can tell what the person's thinking. I wonder what it would have been like if God had made people like that. You know, oh, I can see what you're thinking. Little bubble comes out the side or it's up on the screen or something. Oh, we would have a lot more control, wouldn't we? Straight away, if we were accountable for our thoughts. But, you know, we are accountable for our thoughts. You're not accountable to me, but we are accountable to the heaven and the records that are kept there. Outside, on the outside, we 
pretty much all of us, look like a well-manicured garden. Nice clothes, hair's combed. Well, most of you have your hair combed anyway. (laughs) I'm not picking anybody. You're all too small for me to get that detailed. (laughs) But we look nice on the outside, and we take care of ourselves on the outside. And it's important, isn't it? If I'd come up here in shorts and a T-shirt, I'm sure you would have been whispering to each other. Wow, how strange. We, we expect each other to look a certain way. But what are we like on the inside? Whilst we may look like well-manicured gardens on the outside, I think some of us are spiritual junkyards. Stuff all over the place, out of place, piled on top of each other. Many of us, be honest, if we've come this far and we've spent this much money to come to family camp meeting, we might as well be honest, otherwise it's all in vain. Many of us, inside, it's a mess, isn't it? There's things in our minds that shouldn't be there. There's things that should have been thrown out years ago, and they're still on top of the pile. You know... Wrong thoughts will produce wrong feelings. And wrong feelings and wrong thoughts joined together make a wrong character. I'll give it to you from Heavenly Places, page 164. If the thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong. It won't lead to wrong feelings. If the thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong. You try having a wrong thought and feeling good about it at the same time. Two are simultaneous Carrying on the quote, or starting the quote again. If the thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong. And the thoughts and feelings combined make up moral character. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, if we are incubating, if we are keeping warm wrong thoughts, it is going to have an effect on our characters. You can't keep it covered up. Yet you might be doing a great job of keeping it covered up now, but you're not keeping it covered up really in eternal realities. See, thoughts lead to feelings, which lead to words. Is that where it ends? A thought comes in, alters the feelings, and you speak it out. Of course, we don't speak out all our thoughts, but if, it, if you follow through, you have the thought, then the feeling, then the words. Is that the end of it? No, that's not the end of it. Because that word might land in somebody else's ear and set off a seed in another direction. But, you know where the seed of our words falls? Back into our own ears. So, as we have a wrong thought, which leads to a wrong feeling, and then we speak it out, it goes back into our thoughts. Because we heard it. It goes back into the thoughts, into the feelings, then the words, out of the words, back into the mind, It's a vicious circle. But it doesn't have to be a vicious circle. It can be a victorious circle. This really, I encourage you, this principle that I'm sharing with you about thoughts is very, very powerful. It is, it's an atomic bomb to our Christian experience. I've had tremendous victories applying these principles Let me read this to you. Ministry of Healing, page 251. It is a law of nature, just like gravity, 
Okay, it's a law of nature, you can't change it, that our thoughts and feelings are encouraged and strengthened as we give them utterance. So as they go out, the words go out, they come back and they strengthen the thoughts and feelings. And they go out and they come back and it strengthens. The, same, the next sentence says the same thing again. While words, follow me closely, got to concentrate, while words express thoughts, it is also true that thoughts follow words. There's the circle. We have to be very careful what we think. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. You know, many of you know that I enjoy the PDA. And for years, I've been using my PDA in my personal devotion times. This is my Bible. Except I didn't quite have the courage to get up and preach with it. I got to got to bring my old-fashioned Bible out to preach. Well, because I'm so, I, I use my paper Bible so infrequently, it's always my PDA, I went to camp meeting, I forgot my Bible. Well, I didn't forget this, but I forgot my paper version. So when I came to speak, I had to borrow Caleb's. <laughs> and then I forgot it at the next camp meeting. So, if you'll forgive me. Now I'm not bringing it anymore. I'm just going to preach off the PDA. It's still a Bible. It's still the King James, but it's in here, okay? I can read it for you. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, and we all know it again, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Is that possible? Bringing into Captivity, that means bringing under control every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Perhaps when I said that there is something more important than obedience, I was meaning outward obedience. Because here it's talking about obedience to Christ in thought. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. A couple been married for many years, happily married, children left home. And she decides that, you know, my hair's been straight all its life. I'm going to put some curls in it. And so she goes off to the hairdresser and she says, this is what I want. Shows a picture of a friend of hers or whatever. I want my hair to look like this. And the hairdresser does what she does. And the lady, she looks in the mirror and she's very happy with her new appearance. She's, she thinks... My husband's really going to like this. Anyway, she goes home with a big smile on her face. Just got a little question mark there. I wonder, I wonder what he's going to think. Well, can you believe it? He comes home from work. He says, how are you, dear? Gives her a kiss on the cheek. Sits down for his meal. He never said anything. So she starts thinking, well, perhaps he doesn't like it. Oh, no, I've done the wrong thing. Anyway... The next day goes by, and the next day goes by, and he has never said anything. She eventually comes to the conclusion, he didn't even notice. We've been married for 25 years, and he didn't even notice. Is that possible? Come on, men, is that possible? 
<laughs> and all the ladies are nodding their heads. <laughs> it's very possible. So, she's hurt. She would be. You wouldn't be. He didn't even notice. So she starts taking those thoughts, starts churning them around. Eventually comes to the conclusion, you know, he never noticed my hair. All the pretty things I do around the house, he never notices those. He seems to be coming back from work later and later. You know, I've got a feeling he doesn't even love me anymore. I mean, we don't go on vacations like we used to when we had the children, and it just, I don't think he loves me. Yeah, we're spreading this over months, and the thoughts are building. Eventually, you know what it says, thoughts bring feelings, and eventually they bring words. And she's on the phone to her friend one day, and so, how's your husband these days? And it just caught her at the wrong time when she was down. And she says, well, I don't think he loves me anymore. We've been having terrible trouble. And it gets bigger in her own mind, of course. Words affect thoughts, which affect feelings, which bring more words. So this whole thing is getting bigger in her mind. And based on all the evidence now that she's gathered, solid evidence... She thinks, I'm going to get hurt. This, this marriage is falling apart. I'm going, to have to start not, I'm going to have to start withdrawing a little bit. Otherwise, if this thing goes down, I'm going to get hurt. Eventually, it gets real bad because she's thinking all these things. And finally, gets to desperation point and thinks, if we don't do something soon, we're going to end up getting a divorce. I better call Restoration International, speak to Tom and Elaine Waters, and figure out what has gone wrong in our marriage. Tom and Elaine do a lot of marriage counseling as a result of their series there on 3ABN. And so she calls Restoration International, starts speaking to Tom or Elaine, and if you know Tom and Elaine, if you've ever called them or counseled with them, it won't be very long before they are right to the heart of the issue. And so I can just imagine, where's Tom? Is he here? There he is. I can just imagine Tom asking, so where did it all start? What, where, where did you see it starting to break away from the happy marriage that you had for so many years? And she thinks, it's a good question. And she's earnest, starts thinking about it. You know, it was back in 19-something or other, when I went and got my hair done, he never noticed how ridiculous. Just follow with me what's happened. He hasn't changed one bit. He loves her just the same, but he didn't notice her hair. Guys do that sometimes, you know, don't they? We miss some of those things. Be patient with us, ladies. But this lady, five years on from the day that she got her hair done, she's now calling because she's on the brink of divorce. And when you really get down to it, it was because he didn't notice her hair. How ridiculous. But is it ridiculous? Is it far-fetched? You want to be on the end of the telephone sometimes. It's not ridiculous. It starts in the thoughts. And those thoughts build. And we call that evidence. And then we build something else on top of that. And it's all fictitious. He loves her just the same. 
Now, I'm not picking on the ladies, because us men can do the exact same thing. Jesus, when he was here on earth, I don't know if you've read the Gospels and thought about this, but as I was reading through, you find Jesus saying things like, how think ye? Or, what think ye? He's wanting to know what's going on inside. Our High Calling, page 140, says, The law of Jehovah is exceeding broad. Talking about God the Father. The law of Jehovah is exceeding broad. Jesus plainly declared to his disciples that the holy law of God may be violated even in the thoughts and feelings and desires as well as in word and deed. You know, we can sin against heaven while sat in the pew listening at family camp meeting. Isn't that possible? It is. And nobody would ever know except you and God. I'm encouraging you, you will never get perfect peace until your mind is stayed on God. If we allow our mind to wander and we allow all that spiritual jump to go on inside our heads then we're never going to get peace. Peace is not dependent upon a perfect husband. Ladies. <laughs> and men, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> peace is not dependent on a perfect wife. It's, peace is not dependent on having the mortgage paid or the car paid off. It's not dependent on having perfect children. If only I had perfect children, that, that would be enough for me. It wouldn't be. Think of Adam and Eve. Everything was perfect for them. But they didn't have peace after they sinned. It's a mind connected with God that is going to bring us peace. It is thought life that is under the control of Jesus Christ that is going to give perfect peace. I want to give a a little example here. Some of you know that we've been building a house last summer. We have some pictures there at the back if you want to see what we were up to. But as we were building our house, the, the roofer, the, the biggest problem in building a house in Montana, apart from how much it costs, is trying to get somebody to do it. Because there's not enough contractors. If anybody's a contractor, you should move to Eureka, Montana. Because you virtually have to beg the people to come and work for you. Even if you can pay them. Because there's not enough to go around. So the roofing contractor was very difficult to get hold of. And I finally managed to, I was going to say, nail him down. (laughs) That wouldn't be a good thing to say to a contractor. But I finally managed to get him to make a commitment that he was going to come for two days and he was going to put our roof on. That's all he said it would take him, two days. And so I had to buy all the materials. That was the agreement we had. I'd get all the materials there and he would just come and, you know, put the boards on, put the shingles on, and that would be it. Well... I was buying all my stuff, got a great deal, with Home Depot. So I'd bought all the boards were there. That was no problem. But what I didn't have was the shingles, you know, the asphalt shingles. And so I needed them. So I called Home Depot. This is way in advance. And I said, I need green shingles. And we sorted out the price. And we got them ordered. They had a special order, so they had to come in. So I called up a couple of weeks before and said, so the shingle's in, when they come in, we organized a date for delivery. 
Well, the day of delivery came, and they didn't. And so I called up and said, what happened to the shingles? Oh, well, we're not coming to your area today. Well, they only come twice a week, so, and this was the second part of the week. So, okay, so you're not coming this week. Are you coming next week? Yeah, we're coming next week. It ended up that they're going to come the day before the roofer. This was a little bit too close for, for me with their track record of not showing up. I said, I need them. I need them on that day because the roofing contractors come in the next day. Well, that day came. They told me it was going to be there at nine in the morning. I doubted it very much, and it didn't happen. In fact, they didn't call me till three in the afternoon. And they said, Mr. Rain, we've got good news and bad news. I thought, give me the good news. All your stuff is on the truck. Great. What's the bad news? The truck's broken down. <laughs> and the, the wrecker's pulling it back. So what about my shingles? I mean, the insulation and all that, I can wait for that. And the bathtub, I can wait for that. But I need the shingles. Sorry, there's nothing we can do. Three o'clock in the afternoon. So, <laughs> I can't believe I did this, but I called up Lowe's. They're always just across the street. <laughs> I said, you haven't got a spare truck, have you? <laughs> we wouldn't do that, sir. Okay, well, it was worth a try. I tried a couple of other building firms, and one of the companies said they would do it. And they started raiding around their truck drivers, but they didn't have a truck available, but they would have done it. So finally, I figured, well, the only way I can do this is to do it myself. But you can't get three pallets of shingles in a Subaru. <laughs> Not even in the trailer. So I figured it's going to have to be a U-Haul or nothing. So I called the U-Haul. They didn't have any trucks. So I called the U-Haul in Kalispell, the big town. They didn't have any trucks. I thought, well, it's a deal. But what are we talking about? We're talking about thoughts. Now it's five o'clock in the evening. Everything's starting to close up. At least in Montana, they still close at five. My shingles are... 70 miles away from they need to be, and the roofing contractor's coming tomorrow. But what, what does that do to your thoughts? I can testify, by God's grace, that I had perfect peace, because my peace was not dependent upon the shingles getting there. My peace was in Jesus Christ, because I was choosing to control the thoughts that were tempting me to despair. I called another town, Columbia Falls, which is another town down there, and they had the size of U-Haul that I needed. I figured if I'm going to rent a U-Haul, I might as well get the shingles, I might as well get the windows, I might as well get everything, all the stuff that's on the truck. So I called them up. It's an hour and ten minutes from our house to Columbia Falls, and they close at six, and this is five. I says, you wouldn't wait for me, would you? She says, we'll wait for you. So we shoot down there, we get the U-Haul, we go to Home Depot, we had to unload the truck ourselves. There was nobody around, so we just started undoing straps and unloaded it, put it into the U-Haul, went in and told them what we'd done, and they said, that's fine, you know, could have been anybody, but we, and we drove off <laughs> with all our stuff. Now it's 11 o'clock at night, but we're, we're on our way, <laughs> and the roof got put on. But I only tell you that illustration because it might not be shingles for you. It might be something completely different. It might be that you've got to be at the airport at 7 o'clock and you wake up at quarter two. That, that's, that could be a panicky situation, but it doesn't have to be if you will allow Jesus Christ to take control 
of your thoughts. You know, we can have victory on the outside if we will allow Jesus to give us victory on the inside. Victory at thought level. It's what Christianity is about. I said earlier on that there's something more important than obedience. I base it off of this, Adventist Home, page 54. Think right thoughts and you will perform right actions. So what's the opposite of it? If you think wrong thoughts, eventually that's going to find its way into your character, into your behavior, into your outside that everybody sees. God is waiting for purity of heart in his people. Do you believe that? God's not just waiting for whitewashed sepulchers. He's waiting for us to be clean on the inside. How do I know that? Revelation chapter 7 and verse 3. Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God. Where? In their hands? As a sign of what they do? No. Till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. What does a forehead represent? Thinking, the thoughts, the choices that we make. That is where God is trying to settle us into the truth so we cannot be moved in what we think. I want to say a little bit here about temptation because I think there's sometimes a little bit of a confusion that if I have a wrong thought, that I have sinned. Wrong thoughts are not necessarily sin. Wrong thought can be temptation. So a thought might come into your mind. You have not sinned at that point. It may be a horrible thought. Well, I don't need to ask. I know every one of us has thoughts that are so horrible you wouldn't even want to share them. You're not alone when that happens to you. If you've been tempted to move the wheel like that when you're going along the freeway, you're not alone. I think it's happened to every person in the world who drives a car. Those thoughts are not sin. They are temptation. They come from the enemy. And if we take that thought and we start pondering it, we start incubating it, allowing it to take residence... That is when it becomes a sin. If the thought comes in and is immediately expelled and says, no, I do not believe that, I will not think that, then the soul is not contaminated. There is no guilt, there is no sin. The devil tempted Jesus, didn't he? But did Jesus sin? No. Also, temptation is no evidence of God's displeasure on us. We can think, if we're having a lot of temptations, that, well, maybe I'm, I'm not really connected to God. It's not related to whether you're connected to God. You can be in a very tight connection with God and still have temptation. Of course you can. We all know that. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he did not sin. So don't get confused. If you have a wrong thought, don't think, oh, that's just what he was talking about. No, that's temptation. It needs to be resisted. On Sabbath morning for Sabbath school, our family is going to share a message called, It is Written. We're going to talk a little bit more about how to practically fight temptation with the sword of Scripture. You know, 
I want you to just do a little exercise with me here. Just in your own mind, I want you to let the Holy Spirit go into your mind. Just imagine your, your brain is full of corridors and rooms. And I think it is, almost. Let the Holy Spirit go down some of those corridors. Just do it now. Just, in, just maybe close your eyes and just let the Holy Spirit wander through the, your mind. As you're doing that, and the Holy Spirit's taking his little tour, do you find any rooms that you don't want him to go into? I don't want to go there, Lord. Do you find any of the rooms, they produce an emotion, an immediate negative emotion? What we're doing here is Psalm 39, uh, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart, know my mind. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the ways everlasting. We need to take time to let the Holy Spirit search our hearts, search our minds. Does it make it more practical when we change that word heart to mind? Search me, O God, and know my mind. See if there be any wicked way in me. How do we overcome wrong thoughts? How do we deal with those dark rooms? I want to try and get real practical this point. You've got your Bibles open, hopefully still, at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 5, I want to focus on just the first three words in that verse. Casting down imaginations. This is a key to victory in thought life, in thought control. Casting down imaginations. I looked up that word, casting down. You know, it's more than throwing something down. That's what we think of casting down. The original word is more along the lines of demolish, annihilate. We don't need just to throw away the thought. We need to annihilate that through the grace of God. Casting down imaginations and thoughts. It's obvious here that it's talking about thoughts and wrong thoughts because it says, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And then it says, bring into captivity. You know, as you are tempted, as a wrong thought comes to your mind, we have to reject it right at thought level. Nobody knows anything about it at this point. But it needs to be rejected right at that first entrance. No, I will not believe that. Somebody might say something to you. Do you know what the pastor's up to? You need to say in your mind, no. And in that case, probably with your mouth as well. (laughs) I'm not going to go there. We need to control right at thought level by the grace of God. How many of you have had to reject a thought over and over and over again in a day. Somebody may have wronged you. Somebody may have said something you didn't like. And it comes to your mind. That is a temptation. If you take the temptation, yeah, that wasn't very nice. Yeah, I don't think I like them either. It's fairly obvious they don't like me. I don't think I like them. We are into sin at that point. And nobody knows anything about it. Because the thought, the temptation has been accepted. Now we are making it our own. We're mulling it over. We're incubating it. And sooner or later, if we leave that thought, it's going to come out. And the next time we see them, they're going to get it. Maybe in a nice way, but they're still going to get it. 
I've had thoughts. You know, I, I presume, since you're here at a Restoration International Family Camp meeting, that you appreciate the message of Restoration International. But there's a lot of people who don't. There's a lot of people who really do not like what we have to say. I would not quite figured that out, except for the fact that it, it cuts pretty close. Too close, maybe. But when somebody doesn't like this ministry, normally they give you a bit of distance. But eventually you might bump into them somewhere. <laughs> maybe in a church that you're visiting and they're visiting. They didn't know you were going to be there. You didn't know they were going to be there. And you can nearly always tell that they don't like you anymore. If you can't tell by their expression, you can certainly tell by the children's expression. Because they start, there's that man mommy and daddy were speaking about. The man with two heads, almost. That's what it's come to. In the... Have you had that experience? Have you ever met somebody and thought, I know a lot about you and I know I don't like you. Even though you've never met them, because somebody else has poisoned your mind. That happens. Poisoned where? A temptation has come in. You have mulled it over, and now it's become a reality. I remember a friend of mine. He's a friend of mine now, but for many years, I didn't like him. And I'd never met him, because somebody told me he wasn't very nice. And I had no evidence not to believe that person, so I took it on board. And actually, when I got to know him, I thought he was a great guy. (laughs) We're friends to this day. Be very careful what you think. I have found myself having to reject a wrong thought as much as 25 times in one day. The same thought. Go away. I will not believe that. Maybe as I'm cutting the grass, I think something else. It comes back again. They really shouldn't have said that. It wasn't true. Leave it alone. But it's only by the grace of God, and we'll share more in It Is Written. You know, recently, very recently, as we finished the building project on our home, one of our objects in this whole building project was to remove our debt. We have a, a loan on our previous home, and our, our home had gone up in value because it was on the right side of town and property prices had gone up. And we figured out we could now sell our home, our beloved home, and we could buy a bit of raw Montana wilderness, build a, a slightly smaller home, and we could remove the debt. So that's what we did. It's all finished. The house is all finished right down to the last putty on the last nail. Everything's done. And then I get a letter from one of the contractors who who finished his work, you know, three months before. A letter, an invoice for $20,000. We had an agreement that it was one of the loggers and he was taking trees out to make us a view And his wages was the trees. He was getting all the money from the trees, which were very valuable because they were good trees. So his pay, that was the agreement we had. Well, he did all of that. And then he come back to me afterwards and said, actually, you know, you owe me another 20,000. What does that do to you? You know, what does that do to your thinking place? Oh, no. By God's grace. That's why I'm saying if you apply this principle, if you are aware that Jesus Christ wants to give you victory right at thought level, my wife didn't even know any of the um, things that I'd been tempted with because they were never expressed. She never saw it on my face. And I think she asked me at one point, doesn't this bother you? (laughs) 
You know what I said? No. Because it didn't. It doesn't bother me. Am I tempted to be bothered? Yes. Am I tempted to be anxious? Yes. What if he sues me? Well, he did send us a letter saying, unless you pay up, we're going to litigation. What does that do? That gets a bit closer. Give it to the Lord. He will take care of it. And he has. I can tell you, by God's grace, that I have perfect peace, even though this man is probably about to sue me and try and get $20,000 out of me, which I don't have, (laughs) which might plunge me back into debt if he ends up having it. But I can tell you, I can honestly tell you, it doesn't bother me because it's been dealt with at this point. Not that I'm free from temptation, but by God's grace, the thought is controlled. The thought is rejected. The thought to worry is rejected. Let me... I I want to... Boy, nine minutes left. I want to focus on, on this. Let me read it to you first. First Selected Messages... Page 122, the adversary of souls is not permitted to read the thoughts. That's good news. The adversary of souls, the devil himself, is not permitted to read the thoughts of men. But he is a keen observer. Listen very carefully. And he marks the words and takes account of the actions and skillfully adapts his temptations to meet the cases of those who place themselves in his power. How do we place ourselves in his power? Because when the letter comes through the mail, we go, Oh no, this is terrible. Oh, this is... And the devil says, Bullseye! That really got him. I'll lay this one on. But what happens when the letter comes and you open it, and you just bow your head, he can't hear what you pray. Even if you pray out loud, the devil can't hear that. He's thinking, just put yourself in the devil's shoes. So did, I'm sure that must have agitated him, but didn't, didn't, get, didn't do anything. I'll send it again. Still didn't get a response. Send it again. Still no response. Wow. I'll try something else. You won. But if when we take the thought and we act it all out, this is terrible, call up, you know, such and such, you know what's happened, put your hand up in prayer and praise at church and tell the whole church, and the whole thing gets bigger and bigger and bigger until you can't find peace because it's all you're thinking about, because it's all you're talking about. Meet the temptation right at the onset. Carrying on the quote. It says there that he cannot read the thoughts, but he's a keen observer, marks the words, takes accounts of the actions, and skillfully adapts his temptations to meet the cases of those who place themselves in his power. Carrying on. If we would labor to repress sinful thoughts, that's what we're talking about, and feelings, giving them no expression in word or action, Satan would be defeated, for he could not prepare his specious temptations to meet the case. But, last line in the quote, but how often do professed Christians, by their lack of self-control, open the door to the adversary of souls? We virtually tell the devil where to tempt us. Oh, I could get, I could get them on anxiety any day, because they're always talking out their anxieties. 
When you're tempted to be anxious, take it to the Lord in prayer and don't speak it out. If you're going to speak it out, speak it to the Lord in prayer. Or pray with your spouse. Philippians 4.8 would be a verse that we'd have to look at in this message. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, any virtue, any praise, what's it say? Think on these things. That is a spiritual, mental, I should say, that is a mental diet. Many of you might be vegetarians. Congratulations. That will give you a healthier body. Some of you may even be vegetarians that don't eat any dairy. That'll probably be even more healthier. But how many vegetarians who don't eat dairy actually, in reality, are eating cheeseburgers and french fries every day in their mind? I'm not, thinking, I'm not talking about their longing after a cheeseburger or french fries, but with their thoughts. That's what they are chewing on in their mind. It's far more important what we chew on with our mind than what we chew on with our teeth. This body's going to be gone, but the character goes on. Philippians 4.8 is actually a mental health message. Think of it that way. It's giving us our mental and spiritual diet. But how many of us are as strict with Philippians 4.8 as we are reading the label to make sure there's no milk in it or whatever? There's nothing wrong with looking at the labels, don't get me wrong. I did it in the cafeteria. (laughs) But the point is, what is going on inside our minds is of far more consequence than the dairy in the dressing or whatever. You know, we need to feed ourselves a good diet. I'm not talking about our physical diet now. I'm talking about our mental diet. That's why family camp meeting, I think, is such a boost to so many. Because here we got good music. we got fresh air. we got the Word of God. All of those things give a healthy mind. But many of us, we're spending more time in the store than we are in the stories of the Old Testament. Many of us are spending more time at Walmart than we are out in the countryside, out in, by a lake or somewhere quiet. Even if you don't live in the country, there's a quiet place that you can go. That will all help. I'm trying to give you a... Um, trying to make it practical on how we can control our thoughts. But if you live downtown and you live and breathe downtown all the time, it's ten times harder than if we'll get out into nature. Oftentimes, I'm at my desk and I'm working and your mind is consumed with what you're working on, maybe a website, maybe a publication or something. And even working for the Lord, sometimes you can forget about the Lord. And I'll walk outside and the minute I get outside and I hear the birds and I smell the fresh air, my mind immediately turns to the Lord. Does that happen to you? We need to spend more time out in God's second book. We need to spend more time listening to pure, uplifting music. Why is there so much bad music in the world? Because the devil's trying to affect our thoughts. We need to be listening to good music. I encourage you to take a look at your mental diet 
What are you eating on a regular basis? What are you chewing on? Because those things are going to come out in your character eventually. Men. I don't know if I need to say any more. Men have wrong thoughts. Temptations are all around us. You all know what I'm talking about, but I'm being sensitive to little ears who don't know what I'm talking about. Jesus said what he said about looking on a woman when we lived in a very, very different society to what we live in now. But it's almost like it was written for our day. Of course it was. It is possible to have victory, men. Complete, full victory. Nobody may know that you're even struggling, but it's going to come out eventually unless the victory is won at a thought level. I don't know which bit to share to close on. Education, page 127. It is within the power of everyone to choose the topic that shall occupy the thoughts and shape the character. Amen? It is within the power of everyone. What, within us? No, this is only as we are connected with Jesus Christ. I encourage you, when you are tempted... Deal with it right there. Don't think that because nobody knows what's going on, that you can can think those bad thoughts about that person. Or you can scream and holler in your mind. Because it's affecting you. It's weakening you. And the victory is slipping further and further away. Meet it at temptation level. As a man thinketh in his heart, so... Is he? I would invite you to kneel with me as we close in prayer and make a commitment to him to be victorious in our thoughts. Father in heaven, we thank you for the life of Jesus on earth and we sometimes wonder how, how did he live down here with so many temptations stronger temptations than any of us will have to deal with. Yet, he never sinned. And Father, we realize it's because he dealt with those temptations. He dealt with the great controversy right there at thought level. And Father, by your grace, I know that you will give us the power to do the same thing. And Father, it's a a personal battle. It's a private battle oftentimes. And Even our nearest and dearest may know nothing of our deepest struggle. But Father, I pray for each one here today, this evening, that your Holy Spirit would give us the victory. Help us to be sensitive to when we are being tempted. Help us to be able to distinguish what are thoughts from beneath, from the devil, and to be able to reject them as untrue, as temptation. Father, I pray that as we do this, that you would give us the grace then in the moment to resist as we draw close to you. And Father, we look forward to the victories. Help us to be sensitive. Help us to be diligent. And Father, thank you for the power. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio, and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.